Welcome to another edition of the Raw of the Lions UK podcast. I'm Matthew Turner. This is the first part of the second day's worth of interviews with our fabulous guests from the draft weekend. We had speakers from on this episode, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Las Vegas Raiders. The second part of day's two guests will follow shortly. If you enjoyed this content, please let us know by subscribing to our socials, ROTL UK, uh, ROTL underscore UK on Twitter, RRTL.UK on Instagram, Rural the Lions UK on Facebook and YouTube, and RuralTheLionsUK.com on the web. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy it. Right, it's high time to welcome in our guests from Dolphan UK podcast, Andy and Lee. How are you doing, boys? Hi, you guys. Yeah, all right. Just uh, like just awake slightly. <laughs> still need to still need to go back to bed in a minute, I think. But yeah, uh, all good. I know how you're how feeling. You I'm wiping the sleep out of my eyes. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on. We we really appreciate your time and getting up so early. How how did you find all of round one? On Lee, after you. Um, up and down. I think it's the easiest way. Uh, up and down. Um. That's, that's maybe just for me personally. I was super. I was pleased with the Dolphins picks, to be quite honest. Um, especially Waddle. I think you know we kind of been talking about it for maybe the best part of two months. <laughs> I thought Waddle was the guy early on, and I think he still would have been the guy had um, Chase been there. I know during the draft, they they kept saying that the Dolphins were hoping um, Pitts or Chase would be there. If that had been the case, you don't move out of the third pick, you know. Because you guaranteed at least one of them was gone, so I think that was too much of a risk if they were really locked in, locked in on Chase or Pitts. But yeah, over the moon with Waddle just makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I was kind of banging the table for your guy actually all uh, all kind of off season for for Saul. I was I was very hyped. I thought when it kind of came out that he was starting to practice at right tackle that that we've got the kind of protection for two as blindside sorted. But um, no, I mean I, I'm like Lee. I, I'm I'm happy with Waddle. I think uh, kind of adds a hell of a lot of playmaking ability to that Dolphins offense. But um, I'm I'm slightly dubious on Phillips, not because of talent, just because of kind of concussions and past injury and stuff like that. It feels like. You know, could be a really, really good pick if nothing flares up. But you know, only one complete season so far, and you know, at the college level, it's obviously a lot different as well. So it feels like once he takes a couple of hard hits, we'll we'll kind of get the measure of who he's going to be for the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about yourselves and the and the podcast as well, if you would. Yeah, sure. So um, Simon's the like who's not here with us kind of uh, kind of got us together as the Dolphin UK sort of uh, membership group. Um, and, you know, you can pay pay membership fee, get, in, get involved with that. It's kind of like the first kind of official Dolphins um, club in the UK. So we're just kind of a side branch of that, really. It's been we've been going just about a year now. Got a really kind of nice little following both here and in the uh, in the States, which is great. Um, yeah, just 
every week like to get together and chat. Lee, um, Lee was far more optimistic than me about the last season. He predicted <laughs> ten and six. Like, basically, whatever Lee predicts happens. Like he's had Waddle, <laughs> had, uh, he's had us going ten and six. Um, it, I think you even said you might miss out on the playoffs at ten and six as well, which <laughs> just seemed completely crazy. But um, yeah, so just you know, lots of good Dolphins chat and um, and you know, it's a weird, really weird like community Dolphins community, isn't it, Lee? It's like either kind of at your throat or like everyone's like really peace and loves. It just depends what day you get them on. Yeah, every, every, ha, everyone's harmonious leading into the draft. We all know what we want. Just waiting for for hell to open up when when the pick is made, and it wouldn't have mattered who it was. It, it, it was always going to be the worst pick ever. So it's always it's always fun to watch the fan meltdown on Twitter. It's it's oh, yeah. the same in every team. It's it's unbelievable, isn't it? How one pick splits the fan base so completely. Um, considering your psychic powers, Lee, how are the Dolphins going to do next year? Just so we know, um, they'll win eleven games next year. Oh, that's the based extra on the game that's is, based, is a win. Yeah, it's based just based on the schedule being a little bit harder than last year. I think they make the playoffs this time. I think they're a better team than last year, but um, I don't think it necessarily results in three more wins, four more wins. Do you know what I mean? They might even only win ten games, but it's. I think they will be a better on on the field team than they than they were last year. Mm. So you've obviously picked, as you said, Waddle at six and Phillips at eighteen. Did. Were you convinced at all by the rumours that you might have traded down to to pick up more capital than you traded up for from twelve? A little bit at one point. I mean, when when Fields got to uh, you know got out of there, I thought someone would come up and get him. I uh, didn't think he'd slide to eleven for sure. Um, so yeah, I thought we kind of uh, maybe moved back even a couple of picks with the Broncos or something like that. Um, I was also fairly convinced that we were going to shift back from eighteen to, to kind of mid twenties. Uh, someone like the Browns come up and get their guy, but obviously no need. It was kind of quite light in general on trades last night, wasn't it? I think you'll kind of see that kick off a bit more today as. Um, like, you know, loads of teams got loads of needs, and the, and the guys will, you know, the, the talent will suddenly crunch down into um, from the kind of guys that have fallen out of the first round. They'll still be sat there for the first ten or so picks, but then it will kind of move around. So yeah, I can see us shifting back a bit today. Actually, a lot of people want uh, running back. I can't see us like sticking around with Javante Williams if we've not gone in on Harris and um, uh, and Etienne yesterday. So yeah, have to see. And and the the Jalen Phillips pick went in really quickly. It was one of the quickest picks made, you know, in those first twenty picks. Uh, the Dolphins obviously knew who they wanted, so I think now knowing what we know, I think it's you know they, they they weren't really looking to move back. Also, we know from the deals Chris Greer makes, he's gonna take a ransom from somebody to move up no matter where it is he does, he seems to always get his way or not you know or doesn't bother so I, I don't think anyone was going to be able to offer kind of kind of catch Chris Greer thinking yeah I'll move back if I can pick up anything extra I think he he would have wanted a premium for it no matter what even if that's you know not seen as the right way to do it I think you know that seems to be the way he operates well and, and that way of operating got you one of the best trade downs of the well of the last few years, really. The, the value you get there, especially when they pick Trey Lance, who is not helping them <laughs> year one. I mean, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the league three years from now. That's the sort of upside perhaps he has. But year one, in a win-now mode, it's not helping them. And and your, your setup for the future, once again, that, that one trade keeps paying dividends for you. <laughs> That's it. And the, and the fact that we've uh, traded our first round pick ne- next year instead of the 49ers 
pick would suggest that the, the Dolphins are in full agreement that Lance isn't the guy to bring immediate success there, wouldn't it? Any questions, Ant? Um, yeah, so obviously you're picking, I think, fourth tonight in the second round. Where, where do you think the Dolphins go next? Is, it, is there a personal preference for you, a guy who's dropped out the first? Maybe you'd be delighted to get there. Go on, Lee. Um, I think it's Coromoa is, is, is the guy that we, we never expected to be getting out of the first round. Whether, whether he's still there at pick four, you know, I think this is I think this is really interesting thing where people get wrapped up in the draft in day one. And then when you've got that gap between day one and day two starting, everyone starts to realise, like, oh, hang on, these guys are still around. <laughs> and I think, you know, you see less, less players starting to kind of fall almost by accident. I think sometimes, yeah, things people just get caught up in the whirlwind of day one. But um, yeah, I think that would be a great pick. I mean, people had had him mocked to us at 18 for, for weeks and weeks, you know, and, and you could see why they were doing it. It's definitely a position where we could do with an upgrade. I mean, for, even though we're a 10-win team and we, you know, I was quite bullish on the team, there's still plenty of places they could upgrade. You know, there's, there's plenty of places to go. I'm not under the impression that, you know, this is this is some sort of Super Bowl-ready team. So, th- there's plenty of options. Yeah, and for me, it may be um, like a right tackle. So, Tevin Jenkins, maybe, if he's still around, or or someone like Eichenberg and, and shift him across. I'm, I'm convinced that we we need more offensive line help. I don't think you can ever have enough. Um, and I, I watched... What did I watch back earlier? I watched us play the Bengals earlier and um, and Tua just kind of <laughs> getting whacked every time he <laughs> dropped back three steps and, and bang, I was like, okay, this, this isn't going to be sustainable. So yeah, we definitely need to add some more bodies on that line. Well, you you mentioned linebacker there, obviously. It'd be a steal to get Aruso Koromoa there, but um, away from the draft, Carl Van Noy letting him go. What what was your guy's reaction to that? Because that came as a bit of a bit of a shock. He He's a leader on there. It seemed a bit of a weird decision to let him go. Lee, you're, you're the man there. <laughs> um, I, I think the Dolphins are really quick to, to if they're not, if, if it's not panning out the way they think it's going to, they're willing to cut bait quickly. They're, they're not going to keep someone on the roster just because they paid them a lot of money. The, the, the contract is also structured quite well where, you know, there's no big hits going forward. He's not counting a massive amount against the cap next year and the year after. It's the, the kind of money was all paid, um, or at least the majority majority of it. I'm a big fan of the way the Dolphins are willing to admit that they've made mistakes because there's no GM out there hitting on every free agent, every draft pick. It's just not the case. Um, so, you know, you saw it with Jordan Howard, signed him in, signed him in free agency, cut him during the season. You know, if it's not working, it's not working. Let's do something different. So I'm a big fan of it. Um, with Carl Van Noy, I, I just get the feeling that there's something that, that we don't know that was going on because he seemed like such the per, such a perfect fit. You know, it, it made so much sense in free agency. I know, you know, a lot of people thought, thought we overpaid, but, you know, we, we weren't necessarily a winning team. So you do have to, you know, you are going to pay a bit of a premium. It's the guy you want. So I wasn't upset with, with what they paid. Just think maybe the fit wasn't quite as good as they thought off the field as it was on the field. And it's not to say that Carl Van Noy is a bad guy, you know, always came across well in the media and stuff like that. I think maybe it just wasn't quite as great a fit. And they, I think they feel the, the production they can replace um, for less money. Are there any guys further down the draft 
when you've been kind of doing deeper dives or mock drafts that you kind of find you're consistently mocking to yourselves that you've kind of fallen <laughs> in love with a bit? Are there, are there any draft crush, crushes down there? Oh man, I got a few. Um, a lot I really like uh, Emir Smith Marset, wide receiver out of Iowa. Um, kind of that lovely, smooth right runner. I think uh, I don't know whether we'd go. Um, we've got one third round pick. I don't know whether that would be. Um, I think that we did have to talk waddle to be honest. But um, I think safety is the position that uh, that I really think we need to target at, at, in that third round. I think our Darius Washington. Uh, you know, sideline to sideline, really quick, slightly undersized. And, and yesterday I was saying to Lee, kind of reminds me a bit of Anton Winfield and kind of that kind of, you know, hard hitting impact with, you know, slipping a bit because of because of his uh, athlete, um, you know, his, um, his size, that's the one after um, his size. But I think he's one of the best safeties in the class. Um, and I think those safeties are going to start going off the board quite quickly. So um, if he's still there in the third round, then, then sign me up. Lee, anyone on your side? Yeah, I mean, I just, it doesn't matter how many times I come back to it. I just, every time I see Quinn Miners on the board, they, they just loved him at the senior bowl. And, you know, they were very purposeful about making sure they, they coached at the senior bowl. It just seems too good a fit. I don't know if it, that means it's, it's, you know, no guarantee it's going to work out or anything like that. But I'm a big fan of if, if you've got a guy, get him. I am not really so concerned about draft value i just i don't want to come out of the draft with without you getting your guys you know we last year we know the dolphins were interested in running backs and each time they were taking a couple of picks before they pick just move up and take them do you know what i mean don't come out because otherwise you've got coaches that get fired and like, oh well we didn't get our guys and stuff like that. just get them and then you know if the plan's good it will work out yeah, yeah. If you've made a, a plan, you didn't get your guys and it didn't work out, well, you didn't make a good enough plan. You should have had a backup plan. It's not an excuse, which works at all. Yes. But the senior bowl point is is really something. So we, we coached the senior bowl the year before, ended up taking John Penasini, who's a nose tackle in the sixth round. And he came in and was an instant contributor. Now, he's not a flashy player. It's a nose tackle, but he held up well in the run, which is what we needed to do. And people, I think, really underrate the teams that are coaching in the senior bowl being able to make these kind of really good value picks lower down there. So I'm looking out for Quinn Miners for you guys too. I think it's a really good pick. Yeah, there's also a real position of need. Do you know what I mean? They, they had him play centre during the during the senior bowl. They moved him across a few different positions. I think they were able to see some versatility, which they liked. I mean, did, I know it's not a popular comment, and I've, I've made it a few times on, on our podcast, I don't think the Dolphins were interested at the top end of the draft with players who opted out. Now, the teams opted out of last season. That's different. But that's why I think would have been the difference between Jamar Chase was on the board. I still think they would have gone Waddle because they, they want guys that are all about football. And, you know, that, that's why the coaches would were so pleased to be able to coach at the senior bowl. They just want people that are football all the time. And I think... You, you can you can make some arguments for for Jamar Chase. You you know obviously, not you can't hold it against anyone for opting out because of COVID. It is dangerous for sure, but also you could say you could see that LSU team wasn't going to be as good. Was that going to hurt his draft stock? So he was better sitting out for a year. Do you, you know, and I, I think for for the Dolphins coaching staff higher up the board, they're just going to want. I just think they want players that, that played last year. Now further down the board, they're going to take some risks. We've obviously seen that. Injury history is not necessarily such a big concern. Didn't didn't stop them taking Tua. Didn't stop them taking Jalen Phillips. I think that's less of a concern than 
than uh, some of the other factors. Yeah. Um, if I could just ask one more, obviously after the draft last night, how do you guys feel the landscape of your division has changed now? Because obviously you've got Zach Wilson there at the Jets, Mac Jones in at the Patriots. How do you look at them? Do you see any of them as an immediate threat to you? Or were you quite glad that the Patriots went with Jones instead of someone like Fields? And I, I've just, I've literally just hit publish on a, an article for the full 10 yards for, for this, but uh, I think, I think uh, it's quite, it's quite condescending, isn't it? To kind of say that we're really happy with Matt Jones going there, because when you look at like the fact he's an unathletic dude that didn't play a lot for a big program, and then you look at the last dude they had that did that, it's like, you know, it definitely kind of tempted fate, but um, I'm very much happier that, that it's Jones. I think there's a few, um, issues that kind of don't really translate to today's game very well. Um, I think he's going to have a bit of a harder time getting up to speed than, than some of the other guys. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. But also when you kind of consider the fact that Bill's there, obviously, and then you've got um, Cam Newton probably doesn't really want to be mentoring his successor, but at the same time, what a great guy to, to kind of learn from in terms of experience and what he's done in the league. So um, I don't think Patriots fans can be too disappointed. To be honest, the Bills again, I mean, I, I obviously heard you talking about Greg Rousseau just before we before we joined you. And it's like you say, boom or bust pick there um but if if he kind of uh, you know plays up to that raw athletic talent then god that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be painful if we haven't got that right tackle sorted fairly soon um so i'm, I'm like the bills are the team to beat i think they potentially got stronger last night and so it's just going to be a bit of an ongoing kind of how do we how do we get the better of them sort of thing yeah i mean i i thought that the the bills the Bills are in a position to take boom or bust players because because they're a solid team. The, the foundation is already there, so I think you're able to to go out on a limb a little bit more. I think you know they're pretty solid across the board. I, I'm in the opposite camp when it comes to Mac Jones, though, because I think Mac Jones is the absolute perfect fit for New England. Um, I think they want someone who's playing in the system. As I, I don't want to compare him to Tom Brady, but Tom Brady's best trait is his, his decision making and playing within the system. You, you know, he, execute what's called and know the game plan inside out. And I think that seems to be kind of Mac Jones's wheelhouse. Um, so that does scare me a bit. I do, but to, to go to Andy's point about um, being mentored or working with Cam Newton, I'm I'm not a big fan of when teams have two quarterbacks with kind of opposing styles. And I don't necessarily think that's conducive to... Um, to, to bringing him along well or helping him on the field because they see and read the game completely different because Cam's willing to use his legs more than, than Mac Jones definitely should do because, let's be honest, he's not particularly athletic. So, you know, it, it, I don't I don't know how that translates to, to helping him on the field other than with the sort of study side of things and, and sort of reading defences. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the leadership Are you worried about Sorry, are you man. worried about Wilson and the Jets or are they just rebuilding and no threat to you at the moment? For, for me, it's... I, I'm worried because obviously it could it could turn out great. Like he, he looks like he's got massive upside. But at the same time, when you've got franchises that make bad decisions consistently, until they start proving they can make good decisions, like Robert Sala looks like he, he could be a great coach, but so does every rookie head coach before he coaches a game. You know, that's... And until it until they start making proven good decisions, I'm not necessarily that concerned. And I hope not to eat my words later in the year. But but you know, I say you know when you've got franchi- franchises that make historic historically bad decisions, then 
you know, you can expect it. And I think we saw the same thing very much in Cincinnati. You know, every, the, the common consensus was you need to protect Joe Burrow. Well, of course, no, we're going to take Jamar Chase. So, I mean, I, I can see the argument for it, but if it was me, I'd, I'd definitely want to be keeping my quarterback upright. Yeah, something I actually wanted to ask you guys, and I know we've taken up a bit more of your time than we expected, but talking about rookie head coaches who you don't know how good they are until they've coached their first game, Dan Campbell obviously has had experience coaching. Um, and how, how did you feel about him while he was there? And do you think that we're on to a good one here? One, Lee, you have more, more experience than that one. <laughs> I, I liked Dan Campbell. I thought the team liked him as well. The players loved him. They loved the atmosphere he brought. Um, I, I hope that he, he's learned some lessons moving on from... It, I mean, when he was when he was the temporary head coach of the Dolphins, it, it was obviously because of a firing. So I think it's a tough position for anyone to be put in. He's not you're not really ready for it in the same way. So I think the first couple of games they won, I believe they they won in a massive blowout in Tennessee and then a blowout at home to the Texans, and everything seemed rosy. But when things got a little bit rougher, I'm not sure the the in game adjustments and stuff were were up to where you'd want them to be. But that's why when he went through the coaching. Um, interview process with Miami didn't get the job you know he decided to move on to get that experience I think I'd like to have seen him be a coordinator somewhere rather than just a tight ends coach but at the same time if you, I think if you're a leader it, it goes a long way to getting getting players to you know to, to buy into what you want to do so I, I think he's got I, I would be much happier with, with Dan Campbell than I would with um, Zach Taylor <laughs> yeah yeah that's fair thank you so much both for coming on is there um anything you want to plug or anything before you go uh, you're on the first and ten network is that right yeah that's it yeah so i mean we'll give the give the pod a plug uh dolphin uh uk underscore pod but yeah thanks for having us on guys um you know really appreciate it and good luck with the rest of the day and uh, man i must say that the lions are one of my kind of sneaky favorite uh, uh favorite teams i must say that i'm a huge matt stafford guy and i know that's not really <laughs> great for you to hear now but i really i did really enjoy kind of watching him for the last like 10 years or so so hopefully hopefully you guys kind of get back on the front foot in the next couple of years Hope so, man. I hope you're right. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us on. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Let's welcome in our first guest, Andres from the Jets UK podcast. How are you doing, man? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. Um, Tell us a bit about yourself just to, to kick us off. Well, yeah, I, um, I've been a Jets fan for 20 years. Um, joined as kind of as a teenager, jumped into the madness. And uh, and just recently, I kind of saw that there wasn't really a UK Jets podcast presence. Um, and I kind of, I've been doing another podcast uh, that covers all the NFL. Um, and then I thought, well, I couldn't stop talking about the Jets on, on my other one. And they kept saying, stop talking about the Jets all the time. So I thought, well, might as well start one. So I reached out to a guy, uh, my co-host, David, who's quite, uh, he's a UK um, guy, but he does a lot of writing for the American sites. Um, he's quite prominent in Jets Twitter and the Jets community. So I thought he would have a good presence to kind of reach out to a good community. And we started it um, just before free agency. So we've been going for about eight weeks or so, yeah. Fantastic. How's the reception been so far? Have you had some good good reviews yeah. and good listenership? Yeah, and- yeah, yeah. Numbers are going good. Uh, feedback's really good. So yeah, we're just starting up, and but it's, um, it's going, going nicely, yeah. Fantastic. I can tell you from experience that 
someone will say, will you bloody shut up about this and just go and do this thing where you don't have to talk about it with me and your knowledge will just get better and you'll talk about it more. It's yeah. It has a total opposite effect. So my, my girlfriend is regretting the day that she said, just go and make your own podcast for you. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, thank you so much again teams, for, you know? for coming on. How do you feel that the, the Jags picks went yesterday? Lawrence uh, and then uh, and then the running back at 25. Jets. The, the Jags pick oh. as well. Oh, Jets. Jags. Ah, oh. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. We wish, we, we wish we had Lawrence. Wilson, we wish we yes. had Lawrence. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I wish. <laughs> no, we we you know I, I really love Zach Wilson as well. I mean, yeah. The Trevor Lawrence is another thing, right? Because he has such a high um, floor, but Zach Wilson's ceiling is just as high. Obviously, there's just a risk of there's a more of a risk there. But um, no, we're really excited about what he could do, especially in this offense. This new offense has been brought over from the 49ers. Um, this system that that's um, works really well for, for QBs, and you know he, I'm not saying he's going to reach the level of of player like this, but he has a similar profile in terms of the way he plays to like an Aaron Rodgers, in terms of the things he does well, right? In mm. terms of the type of player he is. So, yeah. if you can get anywhere close to that, um, then you could be on on a successful um, path, you know. And then we trade up uh, from 23 to 14 to go get a guard that we desperately needed. Our guard play was atrocious. I mean, our tackle play and our center play weren't too bad, but the guards were so bad, they just dragged the whole line down. It just mm. was, they were that bad. So um, we made a play, got Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. And we were just, it was like the number one dream pick that we wanted at 23. He was creeping up the boards as we got to, towards the draft. We knew he wasn't going to be at 23. But so when we moved up, just everyone's just really excited about it now in, in, in the Jets community. So yeah, we head towards day two. We're really happy with what happened last night and other, not just what we happened with our team, but with like, we were really nervous that Justin Field would fall to the, to the Patriots, the Patriots, you know, so that didn't happen. So that kind of was another little thing that we were worried about, but it didn't happen. So and you guys worked know out very nicely for you. So, I mean, yeah. I guess the thing with the Jets that's been a concern over the past couple of years is just kind of that the, and this is a word that we hate on the Lions, but the fundamentals kind of have been lacking in gen- in terms of previous quarterback and Darnold. His ceiling is so high and still so high, but not giving him the chance to, to succeed, really. Oh, as far as I saw, anyway, is that how you saw it? And perhaps the fact that you now you've drafted the best guard on the board and, and one of the best offensive linemen in the whole draft in Vera Tucker, yeah. and you, you've setting him up on a path to perhaps succeed for the first time in a few years. Um it's been a mess since Rex Ryan left ten, nearly 10 years ago because um, the owner didn't want to let Rex Ryan go, let the GM go. And then it, they've been just off kilter all the time. And there's never been a natural plan of like, what system are we running offensively? What system are we running defensively? And then, then we would get a coach in who would be so focused on one side of the ball. And that was with Rex as well. He was so focused on the defense, same with Todd Bowles and then Adam Gase on the opposite side where they just didn't care about the other side of the ball. They were just the... They were the head coach, but really they were just the defensive coordinator who happened to be the head coach or the offensive coordinator that happened to be the head coach. Now, Salah's come in and he says, even though he's obviously come from a defensive background with the 49ers, he's brought in um, Jeff Ulbrich, who was who was the interim defensive coordinator for the uh, Falcons last year um, when Dan Quinn was let go. And he's going to be his DC. He's got Mike LaFleur, who's Matt LaFleur's brother, um, running the OC. And he's going to be, and so Salah's going to be the CEO type head coach and look over the whole thing, which is something that we're really, really happy with. And then in terms of the structure of it, they've always had the a reporting structure of the coach and the GM report directly separately to the, to the, to the owner. 
And now they finally aligned it where Joe Douglas is Salah's boss and then he reports to the owner. So it's a much more clean. Um, There's a hierarchical yeah, system. Yeah, exactly. And it's just there just seems to be an air of competence right now with, with, with the way Joe Douglas has come in. I think if anything come out of the Adam Gates disaster is that he he managed to to get Joe Douglas in through the door, who seems to be so far... Um, you know, he's done in terms of he hasn't lost a trade. You know, he got a great value for Jamal Adams, he got great value for Leonard Williams. Um, he got good value for Donald after really, you know, Don not it was obviously our fault what happened with Donald as well, but he didn't show anything to really warrant that much trade value. He got a good value there. You know, he was, you know, he dropped down in the second round last year, still got Denzel Mims, where we were going to take him 10 picks earlier. He moves up this year, so he shows flexibility in the way he wants to run the draft. So overall, we're really, really excited by the direction of the way that the team building and potentially the coaching is in the go. And maybe it's the start of, of a different era after 10 years of, of no player football. I can definitely understand where you're coming from in terms of the competency. Yeah, we probably we have a sim- very similar, similar idea. Yeah, yeah it, it, Lions, I, I totally recognise yeah. it in youth, for sure. You've got, yeah, for sure. I think, by counting another eight picks in the draft, as far as I can see from Tankathon, and you've yes. obviously got the second pick tonight. Yeah. Where do you think the Jets are going? There's rumours you might be trying to trade out. Is there any position groups that you're looking at in terms of big needs? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's been the debate, obviously, since the, the, the first round wrapped up last night. It's been a debate of where we go with, with the, the pick. It's been the three options that really people have been jumping on is Tevin Jenkins, uh, fill up the other guard position and he can kick to tackle next year when we may be like, looking to upgrade that position next year. Um, and it would just be another, it would just add dominance to that line and really kind of have a five guys across the line that you're really happy with. Um, we also like Jeremiah Awusukoromo, who would be an absolute dynamite um, chess piece for Robert Salah. And he'd be like a Fred, he'd be our version of Fred Warner. And then those are the two kind of players that we really would like if we were to stick there. But yeah, the trade down option is enticing to kind of get some of the assets that we gave up to move up last night. Um, we could do that. If someone was desperate to get a player, we can maybe get a pretty good haul back and uh, maybe overvalue on the other side and, and get some good value there. So yeah, I, I'm not surprised that the um, trading uh, rumors come out. Maybe that they're putting out there to see if anyone wants to bite. But I, yeah, I, I'm hearing it could be Tevin Jenkins if, he, if uh, he's still there and they're stuck at 34. And we'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. Were you amazed at how little it took to move up nine spots? Because I know the Bears moved up for the best quarterback on the board, but they moved up the same number of places. And yeah. Jones was still on the board. So if someone fancied him, you know, you, you might think that the Vikings could have got a haul, but you went up for relatively little. You must be pretty yeah. pleased. It, again, it's just a great. It's it's just you get. It's just great value. Whenever you look at Joe Douglas's deals, he just happens to have really. He has really good relationships around the league. He, that's that was the one thing coming in is that he had really good relationships, and you just don't. You know, he he sets things up really well beforehand. These conversations would, probably would have happened beforehand. Um, so, I think that the 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 Bears are in a bit of desperation move as they are right now, you know, with with Nagy and Pace being on the hot seat, so they had to go and get their guy, and I think they did a good job in doing that to try and preserve their jobs. and And I we you know I really like Fields as well. For us, I think it was already in place that we wanted to move up, and I think um, that that deal was probably in place with the with the with the Vikings. And yeah, so we were really happy with 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 only losing the two third round picks this year. We've got two seconds and two firsts next year. We didn't have to touch them. 
Um, so obviously we, we still miss them this year, but we, and we could recoup them. So it gives us a lot of flexibility. We've got a ton of draft picks and still a lot of um, cap space going into next year and this year as well. So still a lot of room to move, maneuver and get more uh, talent on the squad. I was um, reading the um, Thomas Dimitrov piece in the, on the NFL website, yeah. uh, the ex-Falcons um, GM, and he was basically saying that like the key thing in terms of like draft night and trading is you've always got to give the impression to the other teams that whatever deal you do, it was a win-win for both sides because the, min- the minute you get a reputation that you know you've like burgled picks off someone and you've absolutely rinsed someone, then you're never going to get that same trade next year. So you've always got to sort of try and, you know, get across to the media that it was mutually worked out really well. And I think the Vera Tucker thing is just, well, first of all, it's fantastic for you. It's also fantastic for us because I was really worried that the Vikings were going to fill in, you know, a a big need on their offensive line. And Vera Tucker was definitely the best player because of his flexibility and versatility. And Mm. they've ended up taking, um, trading back, but taking a player that I don't think is going to really improve them much. They got who was it? Darishaw. They told Darishaw, yeah. I mean, Darishaw was a guy I saw was mocked to them at fourteen. If it were, if if um as well, like I saw there was sometimes it was linked to them, and I think he's. I think he has a good value for them still. I still think going back and getting those two extra thirds and still getting a guy who was in that range. Um, I think they wanted a guy who was more of a left tackle model rather than Tucker. He has played at left tackle and he's got flexibility and he can go there if you say he had an injury there. But I think he is a dominant guard prospect more mm-hmm. often than they were looking for a tackle. And then obviously um, they like Darashaw. So yeah, I, th- I think they that that's I think for them I, when I saw that they still got Darashaw at twenty three, I was like, okay, you know, um, that's pretty good value for them. Um, and I think it was a win win really for both teams really. And what do you think about the, yeah. what do you think about the other teams in the AFC East in terms of how how they've done? What what are your thoughts on their their picks? Um, yeah, well, I'll go with the, the Patriots is always the one that we kind of lock on to, and obviously they got Mac Jones. Uh, we call him, you know, obviously the Mac is short for McCorkle, so now we're gonna we're gonna just ride that now as as the uh, as a funny nickname for the arrival QB. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a good player, obviously. But we were worried about the other one of the other four who ever dropped down um, out of the you know out of the whole San Fran situation would um would would land with the Patriots so we were happy that it ended up being Mac Jones as much as he's a good player he's not I don't think he's as scary a proposition as the others um with the Dolphins yeah they end up getting um uh, Waddle uh he, uh, just yeah he's going to be a trouble to deal with um and so someone like a, a, a Wusu Koromo could be very useful against someone like Waddle with with the weapons they're getting in Miami and they obviously got Jalen Phillips as well at 18 and he has some medical issues potentially, but he's potentially the, the most talented uh, kind of edge rusher in the, in the draft. So that that could work out as a, as a bit of a boom bust situation, but it could work out well. And then the Bills end up getting what did the Bills do? They end up getting the, the part was it the, Russo, Russo, Russo. Yeah. I yeah, that one I was a bit surprised. I was I was I was I thought there may be some better as I particularly like uh, Ojolari more, who's still available now over Russo. Um, I think he's a bit more dynamic than Russo, but I think that um, it's, it's really pick whoever you prefer at that point in terms of the edge rushers. They're all pretty banded together at uh, that late, you know, late first, early second range. <laughs> yeah, Russo is one that surprised me just because he tested so poorly and he's had a year mm. out. I just thought that would spook people yeah. a lot, but, but clearly not. 
where do you see the Jets ending up next year? If you can go through this draft showing the competency that you've seen from this new group so mm. far, where do you think the, the ceiling is for the Jets? Um, I've got to kind of, when you talk about a final record, you've got to reset your mind in terms of, uh, because of the new 17-game schedule. So I'd say we're probably um, a seven seven win team, maybe eight, like an eight and nine team, uh, potentially at, at our ceiling. Um, you know, because I, I think that the coaching staff is a massive upgrade. Like the Gase, it wasn't just Gase. It was, he had a bare bones skeleton squad that he wanted, he was kind of a bit of a control freak. He wanted as much, he wanted as few other voices in the room as possible. So he would basically have guys doing multiple jobs so that there was less voices and there was just yes men around him. It was just an absolute disaster. It was, it was worse than even it was, you know, announced in, in the national media. It was worse than that. When you look into it deeply and for people who know things behind the scenes. So the new setup from the coaching point of view is going to probably give us at least probably three or four win, extra wins there. Because when I looked at the Patriots squad last year, I didn't see a team that was particularly more talented than when you look at the position group from the Jets. It was just obviously the coaching in the Patriots is infinitely better. And that got them the amount of wins they got compared to what we got. That's, that was the difference in coaching. And then obviously the yeah the players... So do you want to jump in with something, yeah? Well, I was just going to say, I think that the thing about Bill is that he was pragmatic last year and knew that the team was limited, identified yeah. where he was strong. And that was the offensive line and a running quarterback and decided that's the way he was going to win. And the, yeah. the thing about the Jets was, for me the lack of pragmatism in terms of trying to identify what you're good at. So I didn't know what yeah. the Jets were good at last year. It was a disaster. I mean, it was, it's, it's <laughs> Gase, Gase is still running that old Peyton Manning um, Broncos offense and he's riding off, off that success. And he wanted Sam Darnold to be a Peyton Manning at 15 plus years into his career. And it's like, even if, even if Donald is the best of his, of his ability, he's never going to be that kind of player. So it was completely a square peg round hole situation. And it, he just was just completely trying to whack it in constantly, never going to work. And obviously with the Frank Gore situation, he was trying to just run him to, you know, it was just the guy's so stubborn and, and he just was, and he, and he kind of, he would just dive into his notepad on the side, on, on the sidelines instead of speaking to his players. It was just, was so happy to be past that disaster. We just knew it was never going to end from the moment they signed him um, to be the coach uh, two years ago. And yeah, now it's exciting times. And you look at the people they brought in through free agency. You know, uh, I think that, you know, Carl Lawson is finally the edge rusher we've been wanting for like 15 plus years uh, as a prospect. He, you know, didn't get a lot of sack totals, but his pressure rate was incredible. So yeah, he's really promising, especially with his seller defense as a, as a kind of in the Joey, sorry, in the Nick Bosa role that we had last year. And then, um, yeah, you know, next to Quinlan Williams, that's going to be incredible on the line. Um, offensively, um, we, uh, you know, we brought in Corey Davis, who's going to be, um, opposite Denzel Mims, they're very pretty similar guys. They're kind of contested catch guys, but have also got a bit of juice about them as well. So that should be fun with with where Zach Wilson has got two good targets there, and obviously Keelan Cole is an underrated signing as a fourth wide receiver. He's actually a very good receiver to be a fourth receiver um, in in the depth chart at this point. So we're we're really happy with where we're going. Um, we don't we still got a lot of holes, and that's you know that's why we're picking second. But and I don't think we'll be able to get all of them. But we want to go best player available get the best people available and, and then build on it um next year with all the assets we have next year to hopefully be a playoff contender next year and, and challenge for greater things next year onwards 
can see a lot of similarities. Uh, man, I'm rooting for your team as kind of like a kind of second team for me, just because I see those similarities and the Jets have been downtrodden for so long. It's a kind of similar to the Browns sort of situation. You yeah, never yeah. want to see a team down for that we all long. Ba- we so all band together. All these, definitely. All these downtrodden I'm teams, for you. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time. Really appreciate it. Together we're going to elevate great. the NFL UK podcast community. So. No, it's great. It's great. Thanks for joining. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with, with the community that we have on on this group in terms of all the all the different podca- podcasters. And I'm, you know, I want to reach out to all the people, especially who are playing this year, and kind of have guest appearances where we can kind of um, have chat about upcoming matchups. And it's always a fun thing as we kind of lead up to each week's game. So, um, anyone who's part of that community, yeah, hit me up for any of the games if you, if we're on your schedule. Definitely would like to chat about our, our teams uh, in this September onwards. I, 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 don't, I don't want to disappoint you, Andres, just yeah. because uh, obviously there's been a lot of love there, but Matt's not actually telling you the truth because even though the Jets is the team that he roots for, he also has a man crush on Josh Allen. Fair man, enough. Man, Fair oh, enough. Yeah. I, I, I do like Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a good player. He's, he's, he's a funny, we were kind of <laughs> laughing. When we got Donald and they, and they picked up um, Josh Allen, we were kind of laughing at them because he was obviously, we thought he was going to be a bust as Jets fans. You're like, oh, look at the Bills, you know, and, egg on our face you know because a year later we decided to hire Gates, and that was the worst thing we could do for our young QB and you know right. and, and uh, we wish Donald all the best and we're really happy with 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 him landing in Carolina so hopefully he can show what he can do and um, Josh Allen continues to to be good and hopefully he has a bit of a regression this year and we can kind of uh, keep him contained a little bit because he if he keeps on going this way it's going to be very difficult to manage him in the next couple of years. Yeah, but there's, there's there's no love for the uh, Patriots on this podcast, so yeah, we're oh, absolutely rooting for the Jets. Oh, I can imagine with with the the, the stuff you had with Patricia and and, and Quinn, I can oh. imagine. So yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's okay. Thought... Patricia's picking for the Patriots if you believe some of the rumors. So <laughs> we we, well, we good call, luck to them. We call them the pound shop Patriots. Yeah, just yeah, good luck to them. Uh, Patricia was a disaster. When he was, I was just like, I wasn't a fan. And then the the nail in the coffin comment was when he came out and was talking about how. Uh, you know, the, there was a lot of work to be done when I came in. He's like, he followed the guy, Jim Caldwell, who obviously wasn't like some sort of amazing guy, but he was pretty successful, right? Uh, to extend. Nine and, and seven. Nine and seven last exactly, two seasons. right? And so you're saying, so you came in and had a lot of work to do on a team that was a winning team and you've basically driven them into the ground. All right, dude, you know? So uh, <laughs> it was just, when you look at this guy from, from an outsider point of view and you're just like, yeah, it's just not going to work with this guy. It's hard to be the fan of the car crash organization. <laughs> no absolutely and you know you guys are going through a big rebuild i mean with obviously dan campbell now you know it's it's obviously going to be uh kind of resetting it now that now that matt's gone out the door um and i think but i think it's time for you to kind of you know you're going to have golf here for a couple of years but i think you know rebuilding you've got a lot of assets going forward i think hopefully um my you know my best mate is actually a packers fan so um you know he's he's always looking down at you guys, and so a bit a bit disrespect. So I kind of I, I'm I'm quietly uh, rooting for you guys as well to kind of um, eventually um, give them some problems down the line. You oh, need to draft. You need to draft some new friends. <laughs> well, you know he's a good guy otherwise. Just, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much, Andres, for no worries, coming no on. Worries. And yeah, thanks uh, for having we'll speak me. To you soon. Cheers, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Love. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. And yeah. if you're watching, you've seen that there's a there's been an invasion. The Eagles are here. Welcome in Liam, Philip, and Mick. How you doing, boys? Hey guys, sorry. I realised that my colleagues had uh, not turned their cameras on, and I was just sat here like a Johnson. 
Johnson, Johnson, there's the link. There's the there link. There it is. Ties How in. You How you doing, guys? Oh, good. All good. All Not good. Uh, from the Next Man Up podcast, um, why don't you introduce yourselves to the to the watchers, boys? Sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're all Eagles fans. So every other NFL team in the league doesn't like us. <laughs> we uh, we 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 started podcasting in uh, November last year, and um, we're yeah we're, the, we're a bit like you guys. We're the only UK Eagles podcast. We've got a bit bit of a good following. Uh, we're 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 not veterans, I wouldn't say. We you know I've got about six seven years NFL experience. Phil about three or four, and Mick closer closer to me. But you know we get guests on quite a lot who know a lot more than we do about it, and we're very passionate about our birds, and um, very positive about our birds, which is a bit which is a bit different to most Eagles fans. <laughs> Yeah, so I'd say it was it was a tough it was a tough watch for you guys last year, especially in that entire division. Was was that one of the roughest seasons that you've had to go through in a little while? That one. Yeah, I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let Phil jump in in a second, but it was crazy. I mean, you look you look at what was going on with Harry Roseman, Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, it was a it was a it was a keys in a bowl moment that you didn't want to see in, a, in, in an organizational uh, in a franchise. Um, Wentz didn't want to be there. Wentz didn't go, get on with Doug. Doug didn't get on with Howie, the, the GM, and, and, and none of them got on together. So I think the best thing happened, which is everyone moved on. Uh, I, I think I probably speak for Phil and Mick to say that I don't think any of us wish Wentz bad. Uh, we don't we we don't wish him good, <laughs> but 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 we but, but we don't wish him bad. But I'll let I'll let Phil Phil jump in and, and give your thoughts. Just to interrupt with the pick for the Jags, they picked Tyson Campbell, the cornerback. Oh, gotcha. mm. yeah. Sorry, Phil. No, no, it's perfect. I'm quite happy with that because it's not one that was on our list. So that's one one less picks to go before we get a chance to take hopefully one one guy that we're kind of quite unanimous on I think we're looking at uh, uh, JOK Santi Samuel or um, Merrick if he might still fall to that level because I think deep down we know that um, we didn't need to go for an offensive weapon in the first pick but we're all definitely glad that we did because it's definitely the pick that we should have made at that point it's just need versus best player available so no I'm quite happy with the start I was worried that the first one off the board would be the first one that we wanted and then the next one and the next one and then we'd be left sort of with our you know balls in our hand <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone saw that one coming no I, I that, saw a lot of people mocking Smith to the Giants so I that's my theory yeah. is that you were jumping ahead of them but yeah were, yeah, were either that. of you worried that you were going for fields? Because we, our instant reaction yeah. here was, is this for a quarterback? Do you actually believe in Hurts? Well, well, we were we were sat there, and, and, I, and I, I was convinced that we would trade up to 7, 8, or 9 last night because if we were going to do it, it was going to be in that. That was the window to do it. And then as soon as the Broncos pick was in, I was saying to Mick, I was like, well, that's that then. We're picking at 12 because... There's no chance in hell we're trading with either. You know, there's no point trading with the Giants, and the, there's no way in hell the Cowboys are trading with us. But I think generally the Cowboys got a good deal because they knew that um, the, the Giants and the, and the Eagles were going to be picking offensive players, or were looking to pick offensive players. So they knew they could get their guy two picks later. And um, 
and so they they got they got an extra extra pick out of it didn't lose anything and the eagles got to screw one over on the giants and sort of sort of avenge last year's cd lamb debacle giants <laughs> fans are crying this morning it's, been, it's been great <laughs> giants fans are not happy this morning they're like, why have the why have the Cowboys and the Eagles ganged up against us? Um, so have you seen the video, you guys? Uh, so there's a video, there's a video of a Giants fan, like kit everywhere, like it's draped in Giants gear all over the walls, and um, it's just basically him. Like he's being live streamed on a podcast or whatever, uh, going through the motions as. They're like, okay, okay, we're gonna get Smith, we're gonna get Smith, we're gonna get Smith. Like, okay, this this is good, this is good. You know, Jones can use him. Why have the Cowboys traded with the Eagles? What's going on? Oh fuck, they're gonna they're gonna pick Smith. Oh shit, it's brilliant. He just, just starts just like, go, go through our Twitter and, and you'll see we've we've re- all of us have retweeted it, liked it, and I've watched it at least three or four times today. <laughs> Already. The sort of satisfaction with that is the same sort of satisfaction we feel when we see live streamers for Jordan Love last year in the Packers. It's so similar. Well, I wanted to ask you, 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 you guys a question. You must, you guys must be delighted that you know Rogers is looking to leave and the Packers are in cap hell. I mean, uh, how many champagne bottles did you guys open last night when you heard that? Oh, awesome. The, the tweet the tweet of the day, uh, someone called Mike Pellucci uh, tweeted that the best rivalry in the NFC North now is Green Bay versus their own quarterback. And that's the tweet of the draft for me. You must have been happy with the uh, the cornerback pick as well late on. Oh, hilarious. Night. Hilarious. <laughs> I think that, I was just saying this with Ant in our, in our review show at lunchtime, that I think the the pick is funnier for the fans' reaction than it actually is for the impact on the team because he, he runs a sub-4-3-40 and he's got really good twitch. He's got problems in being a bit handsy. He's going to give away a few pass interference penalties, but I actually think he's going to be an instant upgrade at corner. It's just a bit of a reach, but the Packers' fans' reaction is by far the funniest thing about it. So, you know, the, the meltdown's real. I was, I, it, was, it was funny. I was watching um, Good Morning Football and they were like, they got a they got a quick guy, but he's playing on defense, not offense, which is not what Rogers was looking for. Um, how do you guys feel about Penny Sewell? Yeah, yeah, it's not a sexy pick, is it? But it's it's probably the best player available on the board, and a majority of our fans wanted it. But Ant, how are you feeling, buddy? Yeah, I'm 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 one of those in the well, I'm not the minority. I love the pick, but I love our current right tackle, and I think he's really underappreciated and I think he's been thrown under a bus this year because he had a really good year and I think we could have gone elsewhere but you know he, he is a good oh, pick Jets. So. Elijah Moore Elijah Moore oh no oh, damn it God damn it I, I, to... I actually have a I have a sky bet bet on the Jets picking Elijah Moore so I'm I'm quitting hey. <laughs> I, I, I have a pick a bet on Asante Samuel falling outside. I think it's a top thirty-five or thirty-six. Well, something well like he, that, he so. could do because we reckon that we we could pick him at thirty-seven. So if your if your bet is thirty-five, thirty-six, you could be quitting as well. I hope so. Am I, am I, That's good. Am, I, am I right the, in thinking that now the Eagles are going to be take, able to take one of the three guys? I'm sorry to hijack a little bit, but that that we're now in the stage where we're going to get one of the three we want. 
So pick 34 has happened. 30. So we've got Atlanta and Miami before us, and we, we, we want three guys. And we've got Josh, Trevon, Morig, and Asante Samuel. Yeah. Yeah. There you so go. We, we want Jock, uh, Jock Morig, and, and Elijah Moore. So we've got two of your three that we really want to. <laughs> One of them's going at Philly. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got a one in three chance now or less. <laughs> that's, that's odd for oh. the Jets, that is. They, they've gone first three picks all offensive and they've got no more picks today. I mean, are they just going to go with a really shit defense again this year? That, that, that <laughs> seems really odd. Was Salah the, um, he was the defensive coordinator, wasn't he? The, yeah. The and, so and maybe he's up... thinking that he can, he can work with what they've got. <laughs> <laughs> They did need receiver <laughs> help as well. I know that their defense yeah. is terrible, but their whole team is pretty poor. Yeah, but they just like Corey Davis. Yeah. No, yeah, the, the, the Jets are just awful. I mean, there's nothing else to say. The Jets are just, they're awful. <laughs> like, you, you know the Eagles are 80 to 1 to win the Super Bowl next year. I, I think the Jets are lower. <laughs> <laughs> you see that, you see that, like, that, really? Yeah, really? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's shorter than the Lions, so <laughs> I think we're aren't we in the four figures at this point? I think we're like Atlanta's trading. We, Guys, we, I've got a question for you because one of my one of my one of my really good buddies is a Lions fan, and he's uh, he, he hasn't quite got the confidence. Come on, I asked him if he wanted to join us tonight on this, but he didn't have quite the confidence. He he, he said he'd been looking for a UK Lions podcast for a while, and Hank come across you, so I've introduced you to him. And he's going to listen and, and listen on. Um, and his, his question was about Cephas. I hope I pronounced that right. Cephas, uh, yeah. Yeah, your wide receiver. Um, and, and what your guys' thoughts are on him, um, you know, next year. You've got Jones is gone. Golladay's gone. You've got Hawkinson and you've got uh, Swift and obviously Goff. What are, your, what are your thoughts on Cephas for next year? Do you think he's going to ball out? Ryan, why don't you take it? Yeah, I think he is going to. He's one of them people, he showed last year that he's got really good roots. He runs a nice crisp route. He's savvy at the medium range. And he's got decent hands. He knows that he's going to have to step up this year. And he knows he's going to be able to see a lot of the snaps and the touches that Marvin Jones would have taken. So I think he has got a big prove it year. He's coming out and thinking, this is my opportunity. I'm going to get all these touches, all these chances. And he did... He, he got behind a few defences last year. He got the odd long touchdown reception. I remember one, Stafford, it was 50, 60 yards. It was bottom corner behind him over the shoulder. And oh. he hailed it in like bro. It was lovely. So I am I'm sold on him. If we don't draft a slot wide receiver, then he will line up there. I'll put him right there. So what I'm saying is all of your fantasy teams, guys, see first. You can probably get him quite late. Get him in your teams. Yeah, I just I, traded... Yeah, the Broncos are on the clock and their their pick is in. That's a linebacker they need. That's Jock. You reckon? I bet, I bet this is Jock. It would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So so Mick, who is on who is on here, who hasn't said a bloody word yet, is is a um, is a fighting Irish um, fan. Ah. We had a Notre Dame fan on yesterday as well. They seem it's to be a very popular college team. The Irish, they, they multiply everywhere, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> There's a load of, of Notre Dame players that could be drafted in, in this draft. Is there anyone, Mick, that you, you really fancy going to, to your team, to the Eagles? 
I wanted Jock, <laughs> so I really hope this Broncos pick isn't Jock because um, I sort of had my heart set on him since uh, he dropped out of the first round. I thought you know, we've possibly got a chance here. Is there is there any way we use some of those picks um, to trade up like Denver have just done? Um, Apparently, to the, Denver to get the guy that we... Javante Williams. Oh, oh, I think oh. I think Ashley's just said it's a running back, and that's the yeah, only yeah. one I can imagine. We're on, a 17, we're on a 17-second delay because Mick decided he didn't want to pay for Sky Sports this year. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. I've got it on now TV, and, it, and it's it's just it happens to be a delay. So they've they've swapped 114 for 219 to get yeah. on there. So is that a fourth? A fourth? They've gone yeah. up 100 spots to go down five now. So that's not the worst. That's not no. the worst. I think it was because Miami were probably going to pick Javante Williams, so they mm. needed to get above Miami. Oh, yes, I win my bet. Ha! Sorry. You think Miami are taking Javante Williams? I think they were rooming to, yeah. So I think that's why Denver have moved above them. If that's, if that's true. true. Yeah, that makes sense. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it yeah. yet, but. Sorry. So JOK is getting even closer to you now. Yeah. Good. Bring him straight into yes. my arms. Yeah, let's pick Javante Williams. How do you guys feel the rest of your division has done so far on in the draft? I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. I think I, I don't think anyone's played it badly. Um, I think we all laughed at the Giants a little bit um, when we, you know, screwed them over by picking the guy they wanted. But then the Giants made a really good trade um, back. Um, and, and still picked uh, Tony, who, who they wanted as well, and got a first-round pick next year. So, I mean, they only moved back, what would have been, seven, they moved back seven spots from 13 to 20, and they picked up a first-round pick next year. That's good. Um, and the Cowboys, did they pick Parsons up? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and Parsons is a stud. I, I think, to be honest, I, I think all, th- all, all four have, have, have done okay. It's, I don't know much about the Washington pick, to be honest. It's gonna seem it's gonna seem biased, but I still I still stand by the fact that when you pick up Devante Smith and an extra first round pick, then that's got to be up there in terms of of getting who you who one of the players you wanted and picking up extra draft capital in of that of that stature. So I think so far the Eagles have got to be heading. Got if you look at that, if you look at that trade before from six to twelve, getting that first round pick next year, you're right. I mean, he's the most decorated wide receiver in college football history. Yeah. I mean, you don't you don't know if it's going to work, but oh, you don't. at the moment, if it works, it's it's the best. If if it ends up being a a, a dud, which I just don't think someone like Devonte Smith can be, then surely the Eagles have got to be shading it so far. But you know, there's still plenty of time for the for Howie to go and draft some ridiculous <laughs> talent. So, but Mick, what will you do if um if we do get Jock? Are you going to sort of you know dance naked? He'll have screen? to take a second mortgage out on his house to afford all the memorabilia he's going to have to buy. <laughs> So the Miami picks in, so the Eagles are going to be on the clock very shortly. I oh. think this is this oh. is tackle. Is Javon Holland. What? Javon? Holland. Yes, that's another. That is another one in the bag. Come on. <laughs> I had him going under forty nine point five. Get him. Mick, I might have to fast forward to seventeen seconds to go live here. I'm afraid. Buddy. I'm live. Mick, go <laughs> yeah. live. I don't know why you're, you're on a delay. This is yeah, this no is Twitter spoiling it for all of us. This isn't the stream. I don't think so. Okay, can I ask a favour? Can you not spoil it for yes, us? We won't, we won't spoil we won't the Philly pick. Don't worry about that. <laughs> we won't say it. <laughs> this, oh. is a perfect, 
this is a perfectly timed uh, time to come on and guess with you guys, given we're actually going to get a live Eagles pick. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So we you get what, it last night seven minutes from first. now. So, oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I can, I can talk for Ireland, so you've no, you've no problem getting seven minutes out of me. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Oregon are having a very strong draft. They're doing the Pac-12 proud this year because they yeah. normally get slept on. Uh, so also, have they definitely taken Holland at at thirty six? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we've definitely got some. Well, oh, we're guys. Yeah, are you, uh, are you all it. sold on Jalen Hurts? From what you've seen, are you all sold on him? Honestly, I, I reckon I get a tattoo, you know, across my heart. Uh, <laughs> I'm about seventy percent sold on him. I think he's done enough to to warrant a season. But that, you know, how the season goes. I think the fact that it's a it's a little bit of a free hit. So if, we, if it doesn't work out, the pressure hopefully is off him in terms of, I know there's pressure on him because he's got a season to basically prove it, but it's not a case of, it's not a game by game. It's a, it's a season free hit. And, and I think he's done enough to show that he can do it. And I think now we've got Devontae Smith and improving that side of the ball. I think if he doesn't turn out, then it's not going to be, it's nothing lost, nothing, nothing ventured, nothing gained sort of thing. We're, yeah. sort of, we're seeing how it goes. We've got three, we've got three potentially first round picks next year if Wentz plays over 70% of the snaps. So even if he is a, it this year, then, you know, we're, we're in transitional period with or without Hurts. What, what's, your, what's your guys' thoughts on, on the Wentz trade and what we got for him, like from an outside point of view? You absolutely rinsed them. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, it's the first had, I've heard okay. that kind of strong. Strong, oh, positive, you, yeah. you took them to the cleaners. I mean, the thing is, you put yourself in the position in the first place by giving him a contract when you weren't sold on him, or if you were sold on him, you should have you should have run with it. But given you were dumping him, and given that LA, I think LA dumped Goff to us. Now, I think we're happy we've got Goff, but it's a similar situation. I think that we were given picks to take Goff on. I don't think it's the first, but I think he might have. Uh, you know, maybe given us a third or something and the accumulation of picks, we said, just give us the first and we won't worry about the middle picks. And, you know, it kind of just worked out that way. But for you to get any value whatsoever on that contract, given the year he had, anything at all, I mean, it should have been a cap dump situation if you were getting rid of him. I, I, think, I was I, thinking yeah. a sixth or seventh round pick would have been value for, for both sides. So I think, I, think the, I think the difference with Goff as well is Goff doesn't come with the injury history that Wentz does. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to get anything for Vent, I think was yeah, because you got him off the books, you were able to move on, you got the draft picks. It's a, it's a win-win. Guys, do you guys think the contract is a massive part of that, right? Because let's not forget, I mean, Wentz was MVP, um, you know, mm. before he got injured, right? Uh, we've seen Wentz do it at the highest level, so we know he can do it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever seen Goff do it at the highest level. We've seen flashes. Brilliance here and well, there. He, he was you the know, number one. He was the number one draft pick though in 20, well, 2016. Same one as Wentz. Wentz went too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I think the thing with Goff is that in in the right system where the the coach hasn't decided that he is the brains behind the operation, that if you play to his strengths, he can play that well. I think with a strong running back behind him, he proved that he has enough to do it. So you accept the limitations and you move on with well, it, right? Penny Sewell is going to help. Mm, Penny Sewell yes. is going to help. Give him time in the pocket and get, get you know, guys get separation. I think, Phil, you were saying that earlier on today. 
What's that, sorry? Penny Soul's going to help us with Goff. Then you pick. I hope you like it. Patriots have traded up to 38. That is yeah, so that. Okay. That's the jock. I, th- I, think, I think Jock will go to New England now. What well, did you think of I mean, unless he's gone at 37, let's not speak on that yet. So I've got yeah. no... I've got don't no say, don't say a word, roar of the lions, please. <laughs> Mick's gone. He's like, he's like, he can't, he can't face it. Well, can't Mick, take it. Mick's gone sober tonight. Um, if you ever listen to our podcast, we, you know, we're normally pretty hammered during those. <laughs> <laughs> I've, already yourself, Liam. I've already had a bottle of wine. <laughs> That's mm. gone. The next one's on the way. Nice. Yeah, we're, we're, we're more glue sniffers. I like a few drinks during a podcast. I got to admit, I yeah. like doing that. Definitely, we're not, we're, not, we're not usually that bad. Like, we'll always, I'll always have a glass of whiskey or two, and yeah, we're pretty good. We'll have the same. But we, we did, we did our our most recent one with the Shall We Football podcast. It was a podcast from from the state side, and they're absolutely insane bunch of lads. They're so much fun. And I tried to do an America versus UK quiz and it ended up being about three hours and we were all shit faced by the end of it. I'm not even joking. (laughs) Like we were like hung over the next day. It was absolutely. It was bad. Liam Liam still got to edit the final half of it. He only edited half of it. We released half of it. And it's like, it gets progressively worse. It's going to take him about six hours to edit an hour Apparently it's our best best podcast though. Like the feedback's been great. People have lost it though. (laughs) Here we go. People like Uh, entertainment. Right, I'm gonna go on mute because I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this up so I can hear what the pick is. Do it, do it, man. That's fine. We're oh, miles wow. behind. We're miles behind because New England have already made their pick. I, I've got the the Philadelphia guy who's picking is just making his way to the stage now on my on the New Sky England. Sports. He's, he's England on the stage for me. He's, I'm I'm behind you guys. Yeah, New England at 38 have already made their pick. They traded up though, didn't they? So, so that's on the basis. Yeah, but that's after it. it's after the Philly one, and I've not seen the Philly one yet. Well, the, the pick has been in for some time for Philly. It's just taken some time to announce it. So I the think that starts, doesn't it? I, I think they're just all aboard the showboat here on on announcing the pick. Here we go. Don't say it though. Wait for the right, Eagles no, guys no. to to respond. I like the pick. Whoa, that is a big shock. Fucking Dickerson. Who is it? That is a big, big shot. Eagles fans are not going to like that pick. Dickerson? Uh They've gone center. They've gone center. Wow. They're probably replacing, they're probably replacing Kelsey, who's 33 years old. It might be a, you know, come in and learn behind him from a year. Uh, That would be the only thing I can think about. I, I don't see why they would go center. Our offensive line, Last year we were all injured, but it's one of the best in football when they weren't. They are a bit old, so I get maybe. Yeah, but they weren't sure if if Kelsey was going to return for this season. So that in a way, it makes a little bit of sense that they bring someone in and you know pass another torch. But and you can dra- go across the across the back, as you can see on the draft network. It's your like fifth need, your fifth uh, rank need yeah. after tight end, corner, safety. If I was, if yeah, I, I would put it at the back of the pile. If I was thinking, I, I we needed safety, we needed linebacker, we need we needed cornerback. Um, yeah, I'm shocked. Genuinely. Yeah, oh, well, 
I, I think it's a shrewd pick. He could come out to guard for a season or two. Although I love Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey's a terrific player. I've already seen who that you, is. That, you're that's passing on. What did you say, Ryan? Passing on, J-O-K. I've got the Patriots picks in now. Right, hey, boys, our, our next guests are going to be on in just a couple of minutes, so I'm going to have to let you go. But thank you so much for coming on, all of you. Yeah, it's been a cheers, terrific. Guys. Nice to see you, and uh, we'd love to have you on again soon. Yeah, definitely. Have a good night, guys. Enjoy the rest of your podcast. And, uh, we'll guys. Well. Have a good night. Cheers, boys. Thank you. Bye. Well, so. it appears high time to introduce our next guest, which is Barry. From at Raiders UK, Barry, how you doing, man? Hey guys, can you hear me? Can hear you loud and clear. How how are you? Yeah, uh, I mean, if you'd have spoke to me ten minutes ago before we traded up and got ourselves a safety, I'm uh, I'm in a much better mood now than I was. <laughs> uh, so, do I take it then that you weren't the biggest fan of the Leatherwood pick at seventeen? No, I mean. He looks like he's going to be a solid right tackle. Uh, it's one of our huge needs. It was something needed addressing. I just he didn't seem that high up people's draft boards. I know you can't just go off of what the media say, but we've got a coach that used to be that media guy. We've got a GM that used to be that media guy. <laughs> uh, I don't see why suddenly their opinions would change. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've we've gone and got a, a second round tackle in the first round. And I would think a, a first round safety in the second. So it all works out. Uh, and like I say, I'm a, I'm a lot more happy now <laughs> than I was 10 minutes ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you if you took the media's board, if you reverse those picks and put Merrick in the first round and and Leatherwood in the second, that no one would really have batted an eyelid. Yeah, yeah. I think the the problem is that the Raiders have had the past couple of years. We just seem to be living in our own little world <laughs> where we're just quite happy to draft people in the first round that no one else seems to think our first round talents. Um, and when you've been a pretty poor franchise for the past two decades, <laughs> you can't be making those sort of decisions. I'd rather see them go out and draft the guy everyone thinks is going to be a star. And if he fails, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Then at least you can look yeah. at the consensus board and say it was wrong rather than point at your own guys. Um, yeah. Wh- why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, Barry? Um, been a Raiders fan for as long as I can remember. Um, my old man took me to see them in '95 down in Wembley. They played like a, a preseason friendly against the 49ers. Um, yeah, and then grew up playing Brit Bowl. I played for the Chester Romans, and then. When I was a teenager, I moved over to Barcelona and played for a, a team called the Barcelona Bufals out there uh, for a couple of years and just carried on suffering through being a Raiders fan. <laughs> Where did you play? Uh, uh, what position? Uh, defensive line. Cool. That's that's fantastic. Did you, did 
did you move out to Barcelona for other reasons and you played there or did you kind of go out there for the football? Uh, it, it was a bit of both, really. Uh, I was lucky enough to have a granddad that had retired out to Spain, as many Brits do. And uh, I was out there on holiday and found out that they played American football over there. and was like, oh, wow, I wonder if there's a team local to my granddad. I could move to Spain and play. And uh, the only team I could find, because this was early 2000s, um, was a team in Barcelona. So I emailed them and said, hey, guys, is there a team further south near me? And uh, out there, it's quite big. They, you know, they bring in college players from the States and most teams at the time would have two or three imports. And they were like, hey, come down, have a trial. So I flew home, got my kit, went to Barcelona and then got to play in Barcelona for two years, which was pretty awesome. That's absolutely wild. Boys, any questions for Barry and, and the Raiders? Yeah, I've got a question. Uh, I can't see the picture, but I'm going to guess, is there a child with a rattle or are you shaking a tambourine? No, it's my hands. I am shaking. I'm, I'm excited because... We... No. My question is to you, what do you think of Carr? I see a lot of people thinking, is he overrated? Is he underrated? He consistently puts up these kind of numbers like that are top 10, 15, but you mm. somewhat underwhelm and underperform. How much of that is on him and how much of that has got to be, I suppose, on the defence? How long does he get to take you to where you need to be before you move on? Um, I don't hate Carr, and he is, you know, there's... I'd certainly put him above a heck of a lot of other starters in the league. But at the same time, he he has had a long time in our team to do something. And he shows glimpses. And then at other times, you know, he'll he'll throw it away on third and then on fourth and goal. And not even attempt to to put it in the end zone. Um or he just fumbles. He fumbles a lot. Um, I, I'm really not sure. It's I like him. He, he he does enough of a job that you think if we got our defense to a decent standard, yeah. you'd you'd be happy sticking with him for a bit longer. A bit like a Matt Ryan, like his service is <laughs> to put you a lead. You just have exactly. to defend it. Yeah, exactly. But we we're just not capable of defending it. You know, it's. Our defence has just been woeful. And, and what do you think of Gruden in terms of like what he's done and, and where he's kind of taken the team? Do you, can you kind of see where his like vision is or is it all a bit of a like mystery in terms of what he's actually trying to achieve? I, it's, it's a complete mystery to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't got a clue what's going on in, inside that organisation. Um, the... I think the problem is is the two people at the top have both spent a lot of time being media personalities. And so anything that comes out of the organisation, you have to take with a pinch of salt. And what they're telling us, their plan, and what they're trying to achieve doesn't seem to translate to what we see yeah, on yeah. the football field or in their transactions, 
Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know where he's going. I mean, I love Gruden. Like early two thousands, when I was a teenager, watching them before he got traded to the Bucks, I thought he was, you know, best thing since sliced bread. But uh, on his on his return, he hasn't hasn't quite lived up to that. And, and what's your um, in terms of like the rest of the teams in the AFC West? What how do you kind of think that their draft performance has been so far? Are you kind of pleased with how things have turned out, or, or are you sort of looking at their picks with a bit of, of envy? To be honest, I've not even paid attention to them. <laughs> I, I was that furious with our first round pick. I just completely switched off until this evening. Um, to be fair, we've got a long wait. Despite beating them once and almost beating them the second time, we, I still think we're miles behind the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to think we're on par with the Chargers. And Denver, I mean... It just depends what the, what they do with the quarterback position, um, but I, I think it's more about us. We we proved last year we've got an offense that when they're on their game can run up any kind of score that they feel like. We we just need to to sort the defense out. So I'm not too concerned with what the other teams are doing. We just need to look after ourselves, I think. It's a bit like our, our problem with Aaron Rodgers, isn't that we have to play him twice a year. Um, yeah. You've got to play well, not only Mahomes twice a year, but now Justin Herbert twice a year. Yeah, yeah. Rondell Moore is gone. Uh, Rondell Moore off the board to Arizona. That's going to be an interesting like that. one. That, that, that's, that's a wonderful fun. pick. How has he just fallen to 49? Ah, oh, God. Uh, how about you guys? Uh, Aaron Banks to San Francisco at 48. Big reach. Really? Big, big, big reach. Yeah. Massive reach. Well, he was, well, he was number 100 on my board. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Barry, what's the best moment of your Raiders fandom so far? Obviously, you've been a fan of the team for quite a long time. So you said, obviously, for the last 20 years, they've not been up to much, but some of the early brooding years, perhaps. Um, yeah, I mean, the 2003, where we got spanked by the Bucks in the Super Bowl, that was the first proper year, I think I was like 16, 17, it was the first proper year where I really committed to like trying to watch every game or at least catching up. I think it was when um, Mike Carson used to be on Channel 4 or Channel 5 and they had pretty good coverage. Um, that. That whole year was just awesome. Um, since then, it's been pretty downhill. 2016 was a nice little upswing. Um, but then Christmas Eve 2016 at five o'clock in the morning, watch, watching Carl get his leg broke, uh, brought me crashing back down to earth again. There, there's really not been that many. Beating the Chiefs last year is probably one of the best moments of the, the past two decades have you been able to go out to america and see see a game in uh no i've not no. unfortunately no I, i've seen them a couple of times over here when they've had the uh the london series but no i've not got out there yet well the the allegiance stadium looks incredible and i mean vegas is one of the more accessible places in the world so now they've moved from oakland perhaps it's easier for you to get out there obviously 
it's still on the west coast, so it's a bit of a trip. But maybe you can find yourself oh, yeah. there soon. Yeah, definitely. I've uh, I've got a younger brother, and we we've already started talking about wanting to get out there. Um, but I mean, I, I think they're listed as one of the most expensive tickets to to try and get hold of now. But like you say, that stadium, uh, I think it'd be well worth it. And mm. just the whole experience that that Vegas allows, uh, I think, would uh, would make up for it. And then, and, and what about the uh, the Raiders community in the in the UK? If, is there a sort of a, should we follow a big network of people, or because because I would have thought that the Raiders just because of their like reputation in the eighties would be like one of the best followed teams in the UK. Yeah, I'm a member of uh, Silver and Black UK which is a, a fan group that sprung up out of, uh, in 2014, the Raiders came over here for the London game. And um, a group of guys organised a black hole at Wembley. Um, and then from <laughs> that, they, they developed this fan group, uh, which is pretty cool. There's, you know, we tend to watch all the games together and it, it gives you some of that camaraderie that you sort of miss out by not being over in the States. Um, I think lately, I mean, who who's going to become a fan of a team that have lost for 19 seasons out of 20? Um, so I think their fanship will have declined recently. But uh, I certainly know a lot of Raiders fans. All my family, uh, a lot of the guys at the Chester Romans, they had a, a lot of Raiders fans. It's just that that sort of badass image of mean, nasty people that drew some of us to them. Some of the Big best time, dressed yeah. fans in the league, for sure. Pardon? So some of the best dressed fans in the league, for sure, <laughs> whenever you see them around Wembley, they're the most enthusiastic dressers, I think, <laughs> of all of the fans in the UK. Yeah, it's just easy, isn't it, to go with dark, you know, it's... You can tie it to so many things, goths, bikers, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> All the things that come together naturally. Yeah, <laughs> certainly for me. It's, I've built my life around those things. <laughs> uh, is there anyone that you'd like the Raiders to pick in later rounds that you've kind of fallen in love with? No, not really. Uh, I, I wanted um, Kevin Jenkins was that he was the tackle I wanted and that was the position that I was sort of most concerned about. I really pleased with the Morig pick uh, at safety, but I don't think that one person is going to solve our defensive issues. Whereas if we can try and keep our offense to the standard it was last year, I'll, I'll be fairly happy. So the fact we've addressed our two biggest needs, I think, we need to just anyone that's capable of putting pressure on a quarterback mm. should be the the plan for the rest of the draft. All right, uh, Giants. Sorry, Ryan. Oh, Jalari has gone to the Giants. That's Ooh. terrific value. Fifty. Terrific value that is. I don't know why, but I'm getting major deja vu. I don't know why. Uh, Barry, I think I'm coming to the. Well, we're coming to the end of our time with you. Is there anything that you want to shout out or plug or anything before you go? 
No, not at all. Just thank you for the opportunity. Nice to chat with you guys. Been terrific to talk with you as well, man. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Brilliant. Have fun for the rest of the uh, coverage. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. All right. We are halfway through day two. The second part will include interviews from representatives of the Panthers, Patriots, Chiefs, and the Washington football team. Look forward to that in the next couple of days. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye for now.